And so not only have you lost that product, you've lost the lifetime value of the customer and you've lost that front end marketing spend. It's time for e-commerce explored. Time to explore deep into a tricky e-commerce topic. We're here to help you overcome your e-commerce growth barriers. Welcome to my brand new show, E-Commerce Explored. I'm Chloe Thomas, host of this podcast, best-selling author, speaker, and host of other podcasts too. E-Commerce Explored is the home of our occasional series podcast, where in each series, I'm going to dive deep into one big topic over a handful of episodes to help you get to grips with it. The first one we're doing is overstocks. How do you get rid of them? How do you avoid them in the first place? All with the triple aim of helping you to improve cash flow, increase profits, avoid waste and sending product to landfill, i.e. there's a sustainability angle on this one too. We're releasing the episodes over the next few weeks, every single Thursday. But if you want the content sooner and a video version, then just sign up for the virtual event version of this series for free at ecmp.info forward slash overstock. Now, when you do that, you're going to get all our sessions specifically about clearing your overstocks via your website and via other channels. You'll also get access to the final session right now, which is a look at alternative business models we may need to adopt. It's a really interesting one too. Uh, really interesting one. It's going to get you thinking. Uh, you'll get videos of every single session. You'll get access to the live Q&A session that we're running at the end of everything. You'll also get, once it's ready, our Overstocks Handbook ebook that all attendees are going to get and loads of links and resources too. And if you're listening to this on the e-commerce master plan podcast feed, well, hello, first of all, guys, nice to see you here. Thanks for, thanks for hitting the play button. For you guys, these sessions will only be on the e-commerce master plan podcast feed for a few more weeks until April the 27th, in fact. So I highly recommend you sign up to the event for free so you don't lose your access. Right, everyone. If you're in that boat and you want to get the free access on the event website, then hit pause right now and go to ecmp.info forward slash overstock to sign up right now. Signed up? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm guessing by now most of you have signed up because I've said this a lot. So anyway, let's get on with the episode. In the last session, we explored the importance of forecasting and how data is quite frankly essential in everything we're talking about in this series. Now, one type of data that's often criminally overlooked is the returns data, just like the returns themselves. The number of times I've been into one of your warehouses and seen a massive pile of stock in the corner of the room that no one's doing anything with. It's all jumbled up. It could have been sold for full price, been processed sooner. Just like you ignore your returns, some of you. I know you do. Um, then you also return. Almost everyone ignores their returns data. So what is returns data? Well. For what you're trying to sell through this season, your returns data is like an early warning system that customers don't like something in your current range. So basically, don't buy any more of it. Um, secondly, it's information that you can use to improve product listings in order to reduce returns on those current lines within the season. So it can give you quite a lot on the immediate stock piece. Where, however, it becomes super exciting and super powerful is for future seasons. 
because it gives you additional insight to help you better match the stock you choose to buy to what your customers really love, not just what they buy, but what they really love, what really suits them. So in an ideal world, fashion, for example, you would buy product that your customer is going to love and wear all the time, not those products that sit in the wardrobe for years, building up a guilty conscience in their owners. So that's the detail that the returns data can give you an angle on is which products are being really loved because no one's returning them and which products are just not fit for purpose. They just don't fit anyone. They're just not doing what what you set out to make them do or what your customers rather want them to do. So in this session, we're answering the question, is the solution to the overstocks in our returns data? Sneak preview, part of it is. Plus, you're going to get some bonus tips on improving your returns too. So to improve the profitability or reduce the losses in that space as well. To get all this insight, I'm chatting to two returns experts. Ronald Dodd from Reallift will join us first, and then it'll be Matt Williams from Returnalize. Let's meet our first expert guest, Ronald Dodd from Reallift, where their mission is to bring the in-store fitting experience online to decrease returns and improve conversions. Hello, Ronald. How are you? Good. How are you doing today? I'm good. It is excellent to be kind of flipping this whole overstocks thing on its head and talking about returns. Um, so I'll start with the big question. Is the solution to overstocks in our returns data? I think a good part of it is. Um, you know, I think returns are always kind of the voice of the shopper, you know, whether or not they had a good experience or not. Um, we see a lot in e-commerce though, which is really tricky to analyze, is a lot of products are not returned. They're thrown away and more, you know, which really negatively impacts the environment, but more so you don't really have any data on why that shopper had a bad experience, right? And then ultimately they do not come back to buy it again, um, which creates a lot of issues. But returns generally can provide a lot of good data on, you know, what products, you know, we're not giving the right experience, whether too big, too small, you know, are your mediums usually run big compared to other brands, mediums, do your smalls run too small, too tight and more. So it's been great to see an advancements with all the technology out there that can analyze returns, ask shoppers, you know, questions about why they're returning products. And then once you can get a good data sample size and maybe a trailing 12 months, you can really analyze the data um, in a much more systematic format than, you know, ever have been before. Um, so I, I always love seeing brands, you know, whenever they get a return, they're asking their shopper, why did you return this product? It's too big, too small, <laughs> the style, the quality, um, and then really kind of forcing shoppers also to provide more information on why did they return a product? So you can really triangulate through their feedback on why is this product being returned and subsequently either editing the product carrying less products, you know, in certain sizes that are just not being as ordered as much or being returned too much and more to really help reduce returns. Yeah, it, it seems to me like the returns world has just been ignored for so long. And it's like, if I think back to when I was a, a consultant going into retailers and being shown the warehouse and there'd be like a pile of jumbled stuff in the corner and you go, what's that? Oh, that's the return stock. We we go through that once every six months and you're like, why? I can see, per, I can see best sellers in there that that are ready to go back on the shelf. Why are they sat there until we get to sale time? You know, And it feels like in the last kind of 12, 18 months, brands are waking up to putting some effort 
into managing their returns. Which is like, number one, let's deal with the returns problem. But then, as you were saying, then let's go, wow, we've got all this data on our customers' opinions about our products. And most importantly, the customers who are not happy with the product's opinions, that if we're really clever, we can feed back in to stocking our warehouse with the right product in the first place. Does it, is it feeling like a really exciting industry to be in at the moment, the return space? It is. Yeah. And I've been in the e-commerce marketing space for about, I want to say nine years before I started Reallift. And during that time, we were running media campaigns for you know big apparel brands such as like Spanx, Men's Warehouse, Red Dress, um, and then also smaller apparel brands too. And I saw firsthand you know, how big of a struggle it was to convert a customer in the first place. Uh, and during those nine-year runs, there are so many changes to media spend. You know, media used to cost so little compared to what it costs today. And so with all the changes to iOS, it's really hard to acquire customers, you know, at a really, you know, low cost per basis. So now brands really have to, you know, switch gears and really provide the best experience possible for shoppers. Otherwise, they're not going to come back. And your cost per acquisition has really gone through the roof. And so it's a really exciting industry to be in because I feel like, and I'm very passionate about e-commerce, um, especially apparel, um, but apparel e-commerce is only 17% of sales. You know, the vast majority of people still buy in a retail store. And I find that mind blowing because I'm an avid online shopper. I can have hundreds of thousands of options, you know, to buy online, but most people you do, do get deterred from buying online because they don't know what they're going to get from a sizing perspective. So we see this kind of renaissance with many apparel brands online. You know, the free returns are hurting them, but to acquire customers becomes so expensive. So now we have to look back at the customer experience and how do we get more people shopping online? You know, and that's what really gets me excited, gets me out of bed every day, um, is how do we create that kind of fitting room experience for people online, you know? And also, how do we give them better experience? And, and really, you got to look at your return data, you know, and also kind of also goes back to overstocks too. You know, if you have products that are just, you know, mounting with returns, then obviously there's something there that needs to be addressed. Whether that's looking at the data, seeing, okay, too big, too small, like 83% of people on this product or this category of products return too big. We need to evaluate our fit models. Is our size guides correct with the right data that says that this is the range you should be in? You know, I personally seen as a, even just as a shopper online, a lot of brands are very conservative with their size charts. Um, and ultimately we're shipping a lot of products that, yeah, it'll fit on the person, but it doesn't make them look great. doesn't make them feel great. And ultimately that shopper might keep their product, but they're not going to come back to buy again. And so you spent all this media dollars acquiring the shopper, sending them countless emails to their inboxes. And they're never going to come back to buy only because we sent them a bad product size, you know? Um, so it's a funny industry being, I'm really excited about it. But it, it exacerbates the overstocks problem on multiple levels. Because as you were just explaining it, you've got, we're paying more than ever before to recruit a customer. But if our stock levels, if our, if our products aren't making them happy, they're not going to come back and buy our stock. So, we, so that's going to mean we have more stock than we should have because they're not making those repeat purchases. And if we're not feeding in the feedback that the customers have already given us on, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a medium everywhere else, but I'm a small for this brand. Okay, brand, either you're going to bring it in line and tell everybody you've bought it in line. Otherwise, you're just going to you know, create a new version of the problem. Or you're going to put on on every product. This one comes up a bit this way. This one comes up a bit this way. It's it's like if we're not listening to that data, not only are we 
not creating happy customers who will buy our stock. We're also not put feeding that data back in to buy better in the first place. And I think it's sometimes it gets as far as, oh, we'll put something on the page to help people buy. But it, it, it feels to me like the best brands now are taking that returns data and they're taking it right through to the as you said earlier, what sizing mix are we going to buy for next season? What styles are we going to buy for next season or for next year based on the products the customers don't return or the feedback we've had from the returned customers? Um, question for you then. You mentioned about uh, capturing more and more data from the customer who's returning something. Is there a fine line in that between really annoying them or preventing them from returning and it ending up in landfill versus asking them 30 questions. So how do you get that bit well, getting the right data off the customer? Yeah, you definitely do not need to ask them 30 questions. Um, I think you can triangulate it down to, you know, probably five questions, more details, right? Um, I think that does a, a good job in it. Um, and I think too, like shoppers return products are not happy. <laughs> uh, no one is excited to go to the UPS, USPS store, right? In Atlanta, it's three miles away from me. It's a 25 minute drive. There's always a line because everyone else is returning products. <laughs> and so it's basically a two hour process, you know, sometimes a peak traffic, you know, hour process, you know, for myself, right? And there's so many shoppers who go through this. We made returns easier. Like there's new drop off locations, right? Um, but it's still kind of a painful process to go through. Um, and so there's a fine line, you know, you want to get that data, but you also don't want to keep annoying your customers. And so if there's any way you could say like, you know, hey, we're sorry, we didn't get this order right for you. Can you tell us more? In your next order, we're going to give you 10% off, 15% off. You know, whatever you can do really to avoid overstocks is the best way because everyone, me and you know, everyone sells at a discount. So that original product you paid for at 100%, that you're aiming to sell for 100%, you're now doing a flash sale for 30%, 40%. And you already had to spend media to get all those customers there. So it's a real nightmare for overstocks and kind of the return data and the customer experience could have solved that, you know, if that makes sense. And we'd have a lot more profitable businesses. It's great because if you get this right, you're making more profit on the sale because you're selling it more likely closer to full price than you are to 80% off. And it's reducing the amount that goes into landfill, both in terms of, Let's face it, if it gets down to 80% off, you're probably not bothering to list it on your website anymore. And hopefully it's not going to landfill, but it's going to another channel. But you've got the customer who's bought it and who can't be bothered to drive to the UPS drop-off show and who can't be bothered to do this, can't be bothered to do that, who's going to leave it in their wardrobe for X amount of time and then either send it to a charity shop who are probably going to send it to, 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 to um, landfill or they're going to just put it in the bin one day when they've had enough of it. So there's there's all these different angles. I liked the, um, I liked when you were saying, you know, you incentivize the customers to give you that data with the 10% off your next order or so on and so forth. I do wonder if there's space for a, um, a free returns if you ask five, if you answer these five questions or one pound, you know, $1 return if you don't want to ask the questions. So you kind of go, Especially if you're a bit business of you know who is very good at recycling that product to get it back on the shelves. You know you've got the steam gun ready, you've got the, <laughs> the hangers ready, and all the rest of it to put it straight back on the shelves. There may be that that incentive to make sure that all the products come back in. It's a good strategy. Yeah, it's just 
it's hard because I think brands are in such a conundrum, you know, offer free returns. Great. You're going to get more returns. Like, like I talked to a lot of brands that sell on Amazon and their Amazon returns always probably double the return rate because their regular return rate policy is a lot harder to achieve for the shopper. Amazon makes it super easy, right? Uh, but the flip side is if you don't provide a good return policy, your repeat customers are going to diminish. Um, and all that media spend that you, had to acquire customers, they're not going to come back to buy again. Um, our research shows about like 67% of shoppers, if they have a bad experience and you know do not get the right product size that fits them well, they won't return. So we see this big kind of hamster wheel media spend to acquire customers that you know are just a one-time buyer, they return. So you want to provide that experience and have the return policy. On the flip side, it could be expensive for the brand to do. The really interesting thing I think we've kind of vaguely touched on is that if you're getting the data out of your returns customers, then that is going to save you considerably more money than the cost of allowing them to have that return for free. So if you're using the data, then it's so worth offering the free returns anyway. But um, we're going to wrap it up there. So thank you so much for being part of this e-commerce explored series. You've given me and all the listeners lots to think about, both about our returns data and our overstock activity. So thank you very much for that. Everyone who's watching or listening right now, if you would like to get in contact with Ronald, you can find him super easily on LinkedIn. You can also book a demo with Real Lift on their website. That's getreallift.com. There's only one L. So it's G-E-T-R-E-A-L-I-F-T.com. And links to all of that are, as they are throughout um, our whole event, available via ecmp.info forward slash overstock. So just use that short link to get yourself access to everything. And uh, Ronald, thank you so much for being part of the show. Thank you for having me. It's great. Let's meet our second expert guest, Matt Williams from Returnalize. Hello, Matt. Hey, Chloe. Nice to meet you. Great to be here with you. Matt, our question for this episode is, is the solution to overstocks in our returns data? What's your take on that question? That's a tricky question, Chloe. And I, you know, there's a multitude of things that go into overstock issues, right? And where the kind of the state of overstock is today. Um, you know, where I live with my company is definitely in the return space. And we've seen a lot of data that leads us to believe there are a lot of solutions that can help us make significant reductions in overstock issues with kind of an upstream approach for attacking returns before they even happen, right? And that's where we can get into some more storytelling and more kind of data approach to our, uh, you know, to our platforms here in a second. It does kind of strike me, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to, to include this question, is having, having seen what's happening in the return space at the moment, it feels like the industries have just ignored returns for about a decade and the information coming from the data coming from them and that's one of the reasons we've ended up in this overstock you could say pinch point but that makes it sound too small this heap of overstocks is because of kind of an ongoing failing to pay attention to the right data sources yeah i think it's a combination of things Chloe. i think first and foremost right we've been focused on customer experience in the wrong way and customer experience meaning how do we make returns easier and reducing that friction point for returns process which is great for customer experience right i want to return my item i want to make it easy i'm in and out but we're creating a much larger issue 
because we are providing such an easy return policy that everyone's basically buying three, buying four and returning two, returning three like this. We're, we're, we're feeding the addiction versus correcting the problem. Right. And the correction is where we live. Like before these returns really happen, we want to really understand what the root cause is. Right. And then once we find that root cause, we want to work with our customers to really provide them with the solutions that will help them correct that problem from continuing to happen with reduction of returns, prevention of returns going forward, and then prediction of returns that could happen going you know, after that in the future. It's kind of like um, we went, yeah, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. And we're just going to ignore the value of that data. And we're going to not have a good way of dealing with the problem. We've just gone massively customer first, but then neglected the value of that information to us. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, so- you know, if you look at kind of how we work with our partners, right, we take a very data analytical approach to how we work with our partners, right? We have a an AI platform that truly goes into the customers, the products and suppliers that are really the three main drivers for, for the business, for the growth and the health of the business, but also for costs, right, for returns. And so... For us, we're re- we're not relying on return reasons, right? Return reasons are pretty much, I know what the brand wants to hear so I can get my money back and they take the product back and it's it's no harm, no foul. For us, we take that return reasons, but then there's a whole matrix of other situations that are happening behind the scenes that we're trying to corroborate the root cause of that return and then preventing that from happening going forward, right? So that can be you know, a, a product that down to the SKU level is running small on size six, right? But that size six is driving your return rate up to, up to 60%. And that's driving your overall product and that SKU really high. So for us to be able to quickly identify that problem with size six and say, hey, you know, brand, maybe you should update your website and say size six fits small. All of a sudden, you've had a massive impact on any future returns that are happening because people are going to be able to obviously order the right product and prevent that return from happening in the future. Yeah, and it's kind of like I think think it's great how the the returns. If you take a proactive approach to your returns information, then you end up with a scenario where one, you can start avoiding the returns as you were just explaining, and then you have kind of like that bigger picture that helps you improve your overall stock. So as next season, you're buying more of the right product. Uh, is that something you're, you're starting to see your, your customers do? Oh yeah, no, we're, uh, we're walking hand in hand with all of our customers. We work with 80 different brands. I mean, some on the global scale and some kind of scrappier mid-tier brands that you know forecasting is, is life or death, right? And so we're walking hand in hand with them to truly analyze Okay, what happened last year, right? Okay, this is the top line sales, but then let's truly look at what the returns is, what returns are, and then have our net on how that product did, right? And again, those returns, like there's there's a thousand different ways in which returns can happen. Obviously, we talked about product a little bit, whether it's size, fit, you know, color, material, like all these things play into, you know, product returns, customers, right? So customer returns, maybe a high returning customer that's, very unprofitable, or if they're returning items based on shipping delays, right? We've seen this time and time again. So they're returning items because it's shipped three days late, right? So really looking and identifying what's happening on those returns, there's a number of different reasons. And it's not always, 
actually more times than not, it's not the return reasons, right? And even the suppliers, right? If you look at the suppliers, you know, did the product show up late? Did we miss our season? Did the one supplier provide a product that was defective that caused a lot of the returns? Like there's, there's all these different reasons that returns are happening and they're not always visible to the naked eye or multiple spreadsheets that people are currently operating in, right? I mean, our, our platform truly is, you know, it's, it's, it's agnostic to any sort of data you throw into it, right? So we basically upload, um, you know, files into an FTP site. And then we basically present this dashboard with our customer success team that truly analyzes that data to find the solution that needs to happen uh, in order to pre prevent that return from happening going forward. And it's saving. I mean, on average, we're looking at about about a 20% savings to our customers, right? So if you look at 20%, reduction in returns think about what the return impact is for that overstock it's it's massive right it's almost like taking control of your returns you get the quick win of the returns impact that 20 percent you mentioned and then you get that longer term impact of selling more product at full price not buying the wrong product in the first place more accurate forecasting and it just it the the more you do it the more it delivers for the business yeah. And, you know, it, I, I can't tell you how many conversations we have with our clients and they all it, the bottom line. Obviously, the effectiveness of shaving 20 percent off is goes right back to the bottom line. hits our sustainability goals. But the overarching feedback we get is how impactful it is to our customer experience. Right. And if you think about customer experience, it's never been harder to get people into your funnel. Right. Thank you, Mr. and Ms. Algorithm, who have basically jacked up the price. And now it costs more to get them in there. And if you have someone to basically come in and you paid all this cost and then they make a return on that first purchase, there's a 90% chance they never come back to your brand again. And so not only have you lost that product, you've lost the lifetime value of the customer and you've lost that front end marketing spend. And so for us, it's like this customer experience journey has never been more valuable to our brands. And so preventing those returns and actually keeping them inside of that brand ecosystem to buy again it's never been more important. And that's where we truly see the impact of our business with returns is that customer experience and that customer loyalty. Um, because once they get into your ecosystem, they understand the products they're buying, they're going to continue to buy, right? And so for us to make sure we're working hand in hand with our clients to make sure we're not presenting products that are going to be a bad description, a bad image, a bad fit, um, any sort of negative experience that would cause that return is just a win-win all the way around. I, I love what you're saying, but I also find it's it's you're digging into several of kind of the the unexpected themes that have been coming out of this series that we've been putting together. Which, and we you know we've we've tackled overstocks from really diverse angles, how to deal with it all, and these themes keep coming back. One is getting all your data in the right in the same place. Because this is, it's like a cross function, and it, that it's a cross function thing. So you need the data from the cross function in a usable place, and then you need the team's cross function working together from fulfillment through product, through marketing, through branding, through finance. And if, if you can't get all that coming together, you, you're just not setting yourself up to solve either the returns or the overstocks problem. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, one of our, the reasons we're so successful is, you know, obviously we have a, a great dashboard that's AI powered and it's, it's fantastic, right? But I tell every one of my clients, I'm like, the dashboard is only as good as the operator, right? There's about a thousand dashboards out there. And so for us, really our great success for our growth has been our customer success team, 
right? And so we're kind of giving you a, a little vision into the kitchen uh, with our dashboard. Like you can see what's happening. We can set alerts, really real-time alerts. So within like a week, we can see if a product is going to be a high return, which is going to lead to your overstock issue, right? And we can say, okay, if it's reaching this, this benchmark, hey, set an alert to your finance team, set an alert to your web developer, set an alert to the e-commerce team to take action. And then every two weeks, our customer success team sits down with your team as an extension, right? All part of the business. And we say, hey guys, stack and rank. Okay, here are the products. Here are the issues that are happening. Here's a quick solution that you can take, whether it's a quick product description update on your website or, hey, you need to go talk to your supplier because this, whatever issue is happening at the supplier level, you need to probably hold them accountable for these massive defects and these massive returns. So having that collaborative approach for using the dashboard allows us to really kind of guide the solution set for our customers, which have the biggest impact for the return on investment for them. Yeah. And how many of us have software tools and dashboards that we never look at? And if you're not looking at them, so I love that you're, you're kind of holding the eyeballs to the, to the data in those various ways you just outlined there, Matt. Well, look, Matt, thank you so much for taking us through all this. And thank you for being a part of this e-commerce explored series. It's been great as it always is chatting with you. Uh, for those of you watching and listening, if you'd like to get, a, get in contact even with Matt to find out more, you can find him on LinkedIn. And even better than that, if you'd like to know more about what we've been talking about, you can contact Matt direct on matt.williams at returnalize.com. And that's returnalize spelt return, A-L-Y-Z-E dot com. Um, and don't forget to ask when you contact him about their 90-day risk-free trial. Links to all of that will be available via ecmp.info forward slash overstock. And if you're watching the video on the, the event site right now, those links are down there, including Matt's email, so you can uh, get in contact with him. Matt, thanks so much for being a part of the event. Hey, thanks so much, Chloe. I appreciate it. And uh, it's a pleasure talking to you today. So I'd originally conceived that our first explored topic was going to be returns. So it's so cool to have such a great session on returns squeezed into our overstock series. And I guess thanks hugely to Ronald and Matt for bringing in such great insight into this session. I think you can really see how it overlaps with overstocks, but how you can solving the returns problem in itself will also help you improve cash flow. Uh, re improve profits and reduce the amount of waste your business creates. So there's so much possibility for all e-commerce stores to use the data that's already yours to buy products that better fit your customers' needs this season and beyond. The rewards for that, more sold at full price, lower returns, so lower costs, happier customers because they're not having to return things. They're not ending up holding on to product they don't really want. Less waste, more profit, better cash flow. That's just the returns data. Imagine what happens when you get all your data feeding into your decision making from all those sources around your business. Awesome. Could be awesome, couldn't it? Well, look, thank you very much to our partners, Nibble, Reallift, Returnalize, Digital Gearbox and Sneaker Impact for their support in making this event a reality. You can access all those live sessions and more free resources at ecmp.info forward slash overstock. We've got just two pieces of content left for you. Now, our kind of formal session where we'll be looking at how dealing with your overstocks problem may well mean a fundamental shift in business model. It's a fascinating episode with two brilliant guests that's really, really, really going to get you thinking. 
And then we've also got our live Q&A session where various of our experts from across the series are going to come back and answer your questions. So um, you can find full details of those on the website. On the replays tab, you will see what's available for you to watch right this moment. And then on the agenda tab, you can see what's left to be released. And most importantly, when that live Q&A session is going to be happening. See you in that last session so we can help you master the problem of your overstocks. Thanks for listening to e-commerce Explored, the latest podcast from the e-commerce podcast network. If you've got an e-commerce topic you'd like us to explore in our next series, get in touch via ecommerceexplored.com.